Well, I'm excited to be joined by author, explorer, researcher, Hugh Newman. Hugh, thanks for joining me again on Megalithic Marvels. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Your article on Baalbek, the Temple of the Giants, or you might pr pronounce it Baalbek. Um, can you give us just a snapshot of this uh, story, this site, and how this new block that was found that's so ma massive is related possibly to uh, giants? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Baalbek, this is one of the most important sites on the planet, in my opinion. It's in the Becca Valley of uh, Lebanon. It's one of many sites in the area, actually, but this is by far the most impressive. But it's not just the site itself. It's the quarry, which is about just over half a mile or so away, slightly downhill from the site. If you go to the site itself, you see these giant blocks, uh, 800 tons, some of them, many of them four to 500 tons, some 600 tonners there. These are the size of a house these are outrageous you know and these were bought from this quarry uphill over half a mile and raised 30 or 40 feet in the air some of them and yet you know people say oh yeah don't worry the romans did it um and so on and so forth but there's no actual pure evidence of that unfortunately and then if you look into the, the historical reality of baalbek it was built upon this occupational mound or tell and this goes back to the Mesolithic. This goes so nearly the time we're talking about of Karahan Tepe and Gebekli Tepe, but in Lebanon. Um, and there's Phoenician ruins there. And then it was built on by the Romans and other cultures. Medieval, there's even medieval um, uh, parts added to it, and Muslims other, and other such thing. There's a story of this giant skull that was found under one of the stones there, and it was housed in a mosque. Jim Vieira's got the info on that. There's no official kind of report of that. It's just mentioned in some old texts. There's the stories of uh, the fact that it was built by giants before the flood. Uh, it's linked with the whole Adam, Noah, and every, that lineage um, and everything else. But you go to the quarry, and there's a couple of stones there which are amazing. You've got the stone of the pregnant woman. Strangely, this weighs almost exactly 1,000 tons. There's another stone just uh, in a slightly separate quarry on the opposite side of the road. Um, that's 1,242 tons, I believe. Um, and then there's you go back to the stone of the pregnant woman, that quarry there. Underneath it, they found another stone in 2014, which weighs 1,640 or 1,650 tons. And this is this is just outrageous. But then, you know, people are questioning, oh, well, that's great. They carved it out, but they haven't moved it yet. And then, but you actually go to the, the site over half a mile uphill or away. You can see the gaps in the temple where these stones were going to go. You know, clearly, you know, there's gaps there that they haven't quite finished it. So something stopped them doing it. But clearly, if they can move 800 ton stones effortlessly, it seems, place them high up in walls, they might have been able to move these, but they got interrupted or something. Who knows what happened? But, you know, we have to question what on earth is going on here and how could they do it? Um, there's all these different theories. But to me, there's a connection with the giants makes sense. I think there's a connection with magic and telekinetic abilities as well. I think that's often overlooked. And uh, I think a combination of these might have been how, the, how they did it. Right. And you mentioned the Romans, they get credit for the site and building these 
blocks again if you see the photos of this site it's absolutely mind-blowing 1600 ton blocks um you know really precision cut in a sense yet we don't see anything like that as big in rome anywhere right down you know where, where the center of roman power was we don't see blocks this big but we find them way out here in lebanon and roman the romans get to credit right they, they get a lot of credit, but they, they, they could move uh, what, two or three hundred tons. We know that. We know they could do it. Uh, they, we know they moved obelisks from Egypt, which are what, something like 240 tons, something like this. They attempted to move other stones that then broke and they didn't complete the project. So we know they were capable of, of very large stones. But this is a different thing. You know, you look at how deep is buried in the ground, this quarry. You know, they, they had to dig deep to find these stones. This isn't just from a couple of thousand years ago. This is a much older level we're talking about here. Um, and I think that, that that is often not addressed. It's not looked at properly. Um, we know an archaeologist out there, he's still convinced it's all Roman. The archaeologists we hang out with when we go there, and you can't change his mind for anything. You just can't do it, even though there's they found Mesolithic flints and things like this at the site of Baalbek itself, um, and Neolithic finds and everything else. But yeah, it's it's one of it's one of the the big it's one of the big megalithic mysteries of the planet Baalbek, and I think um, it's well worth what once you see it with your eyes. That's that's when it kind of hits you. It's like oh, okay this is real <laughs> they actually did this but it's like when you go to egypt you look at some of the some stones of almost comparable size in egypt um with the unfinished obelisk still in the quarry as one which is 1168 tons we have uh, that never got moved obviously but that's made of granite so they were carving much harder stone uh we have some of the platforms on the middle pyramid cafres pyramid which were moved and placed some of these are hundreds of tons we have other you know elements um like in the, the valley temple there as well some of the blocks in peru saxe woman what 200 tons the assyrian so it was happening back then but i think with balbec it was a different it was just a different level it just and i think i personally think balbec and egypt are much more strongly connected than people realize and if you start looking if you start going back as well, you find that Gebekli Tepe and Baalbek are connected geodetically between each other, as though they were the sites were chosen, knowing the position of the other sites across the landscape. It's something that Howard Crowhurst and I and others have been looking at as well. And so, yeah, there's a there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. And I, I, how you know how we can move these today is is again another mystery. Uh, last question about this, and that is, um, what's the significance of the word Baalbek, and is it connected to the original foundation stones, possibly of the um, temple in Jerusalem? Yeah, there's that's a possibility with that, because you, what is it, you have a stone which is, what, 560 tons uh, that's found um, supposedly... Um, at the base of what I believe was Solomon's temple in Jerusalem, uh, near the Wailing Wall, which has got very big stones in it as well. The whole Baal name is up for debate. There's a big story about that. Um, it's like this pagan god that goes back to the time of the Canaanites, um, which has got some dark connotations. They were known to be cannibals. Uh, they were sacrificed children and other such things. And there's all these 
kind of modern occult traditions that still worship Baal and so forth. I don't want to get into that too much, I guess. And um, but there's yeah, so I, I think there's a connection between all these these biblical sites of God. But now with Gebekli Tepe is in the mix as well. But I think it's from an earlier phase. There's uh, something profound going on there, and clearly quarrying the stone carving technologies reached a point at Baalbek where they sussed out how to do it supersized and that wasn't and that may have only been a few generations of people who had that understanding and then it was lost um maybe some of it reached Egypt eventually Peru and so forth well Hugh this has been a great interview thank you so much for your time uh, how can people follow you connect with you and get involved with your latest projects yes sure i mean we um uh they can go to megalithomania.co.uk they can search for hugh newman and my partner jj ainsworth um if they want to connect up with us they should come to our conference <laughs> we do that every may early may in glastonbury uh we have some top speakers coming every year we've got a whole bunch of them, Robin Heath, Irving Finkel, uh, a whole bunch of people coming. Um, some, we have some top archaeologists joining us as well. And we also do a few days of tours around the conference. And it's also online as well. We do it as I'm going to send you a link for that as well, an online version so people can watch it from home because it's, uh, we, we, we kind of created it to create this bridge between academia and the alternative world because we felt, felt it was not being addressed. There's all this, you know, look at what's happening with Graham Hancock and Ancient Apocalypse. There's all this kind of back and forth negative energy being thrown around but we also you know we also as you know as you do as well we run tours to many of these places like Gebekli Tepe we go there a couple of times a year Karahan Tepe we do Orkney tours Stonehenge tours and everything else so uh, people can check it all out on megalithomania.co.uk and uh, yeah and we're gonna we're working hard on um, a couple of uh, publications which uh, will hopefully be out one of them will be out later this year and the another one the next year awesome and to everybody listening or watching make sure and subscribe to the megalithomania youtube uh channel great videos he's always pumping out content so he thanks again man and safe journeys out there in the world yeah well thanks for having me on uh, d i appreciate it and uh I look forward to catching up again soon